Welcome everyone to the Sports Review here on Planet FM. The West Sprint Sports Review proudly brought to you by West Sprint. They are based at 9 Pereri Street in New Lynn. Their phone number is 09-827-8531. Their email address is westsprint.co.nz. Proud sponsors of the show and of course caught up with a sponsor over the weekend at Eden Rugby Club. Uh, watched a few games. Uh, it was good to see our reserves uh, keep on winning. You know, fantastic result. They're in they're leading the um, that the premier development grade at the moment, even though they've got a couple of games in hand. So, Stuart Tarval, you definitely are the best rugby coach in your family. So, this will probably get back to you, and I'm expecting a lot of uh, a lot of crap from you. Anyway, um, get through some of the Auckland Club rugby results. Eden really. Had a tough fought win over a spirited suburb size, 21 points to 10. Really felt there should have been more yellow cards in that match. A lot of infringing, but hey, that's the way it goes. So I'll run through the rest of them. Pakaranga, 25. Marist, 20. Ponsonby, 21. Gramatek, 19. University 35, Papatoe 8, and College Rifle 76, Waitakere City 7. And joining us, as he does every Monday, uh, All Black Great, a member of the 1987 World Cup winning side, AJ Wetton. Good afternoon, AJ. How are you? Yeah, not bad, Peggy. Not bad. Bit of a long weekend for me. I was... uh uh, all rugby out by Sunday, uh, but uh, needless to say, it was a good one to uh, to uh, catch up with all the teams playing across the, the ditch and locally. Sadly, Grandma, my team, they were robbed at Ponsonby. I don't know what's going there, but I tell you what, if they needed to have the uh, video referee, I'm sure we would have got away with a win. But never mind, we've got to take it on the gym. Yeah, well, I felt well, we, we were robbed of a possible bonus point, which, you know, could come to hurt us down the track, yeah. but... But we're still in the still in the hunt. As Graham is still in the yeah. hunt for the top four, but five does not go into four. So, as we get closer to the uh, end of the season, I'm hoping that my beloved Eden has gets through in the end. But anyway, we might as well rip into the Super Rugby. Hurricanes forty three, the Western four six. I'd uh, tell you something. Great way to start the match was a mower, a fifty metre try from a from the line out. Now I don't think you'd see Sean Fitzpatrick running fifty metres. He used to. A seagull out on the wing, AJ. I tell you what, he's a beast of a player, isn't he? Oh, what is look, he he's like? going from strength to strength. He's just so hard to pull down, and he's got that centre of gravity, Peggy, which is he's about two inches off the ground. So, uh, look, he's a menace. He's going from strength to strength, and having Colsey there as well, they've certainly got some depth. Uh, but good to see the uh, back line. The wingers scoring, Riasi, you had Barrett there, and you had Usum. Nice to see the ball getting out wide and the back scoring tries as they should. Certainly was. I've been really impressed with Wes Houston. He's really, he reminds me so much of Corey Jane and the style he plays. They're very reliable and probably a wee bit underrated when you've, you know, you've got the likes of uh, Julian Favia there and mm. of course Riasi, we know the sevens player and he's um, just coming on leaps and bounds also. Very impressed with this young man. He's taking his opportunities. But let's say, hey, the forwards laid the platform for them. We've got to give them some credit, of course, and uh, Lucy's and and Chef Evans and this Griffey, you know, he's taking his mm-hmm. opportunities. Oh, yeah. But no, very good discourse. But he's off, of course, on a contract overseas. We're losing him uh, to the big dollars with Lau Mape, and he seems to have got another breath, uh, a second breath of wind, hasn't he? So oh, yeah. uh, they're going in good form, that's for sure. 
And then, of course, we go to the next game. The Crusaders what do what they always do. They had a 54 points to 28 win over the Waratahs, but uh, Razor Robinson not happy with them leaking points, but looked it looked like it was... They were always going to win, AJ, but it just looked like they di- they didn't really need to leak so many points. Yeah, well, look, that is a concern. Um, I mean, the big battle with Western Force, and of course now 28 points. You know, usually if you have 28 points on the board, you think you might be coming away with a win, uh, but not so in this competition with the Trans-Tasman. Uh, totally agree. It's just not the... I didn't think they were as clinical. I thought mm. they tried to go out there at pace. Um, the ball was thrown around at times. Uh, I, I don't think with thought. Uh, it was just to think they could spin it and they'd score tries. Yes, they scored a couple of beauties, but it did come at a bit of a cost. Got a wee bit scrappy at times, I mm. thought, Piggy. A, a few drop balls, a few passes that were pushed uh, that shouldn't have been. Uh, but I'll have a bit of a sit down and think that if they play like that, probably in the next game, um, you know, they're going to have they'll have a battle on their hands. So, yep, just reset have a think and just get back to the basics. Yeah, because they're really chasing the table to get into that final. Well, the Blues, 38 points to 10 over the Brumbies. And I have to say one thing I was quite impressed with was Dalton Papalihi and Tom Robinson. Jeez, them two are they're great work workhorses. And I was happy with the way the Blues actually won, but still a little bit of ill-discipline creeps into their game. Yeah, look, I think that's just always been the hallmark of this season. A little bit of ill-discipline, and it comes at the wrong times. Uh, when they should, you know, put tries away or, or make those important tackles or just gets a bit niggly. I agree with Papali. He, he's obviously uh, playing some very good football and nice combination with Satutu and Robinson. They're just consistent, um, solid up front. Front row again with Tuifanaki there and uh, Eklund, you know, bombed a try. But uh, never mind. Uh, I think they've got the platform there and probably the belief that they might actually get to a final this season, but watch this space because they've got the Reds mm, at home yeah. in Brisbane and that's going to be the match if they can secure a victory let alone with a bonus to see them home, but hey that's going to be a huge weekend for them over there and uh, if Ioni can play like he did on the weekend for a full 80 minutes or 90 minutes it's certainly going to uh, help in this team of things Certainly did. Well, finally the Aussies got one over the uh, News Kiwi teams. Um, Reds 40, Chiefs 34. It was really, a, the match was overshadowed by the uh, red card to Damien McKenzie, which I thought was a fair red card. He had him laid off the ball. Um, Reds really d- dominated the games, but the Chiefs, they really made a great comeback. I was quite impressed with Caleb Trass and um, Sean Stevenson. And of course, this guy, Jacobson, I think he's just getting better and better as competition goes on. <laughs> look, when the red card came, you look at it, you can replay it. Look, one of the littlest men on the field, it's red carded. You know, I sort of my, my eyes sort of pop a bit. Look at the game. I know it's there for safety, but look, the game is gone as far as I'm concerned. Oh, yeah. Seen against, it doesn't work. So I knew the spectacle was going to become a bit one-sided, and it did. And the, and the, all credit to the um, red. They took advantage of that, and, and O'Connor was brilliant at first five. He just milked it, and away mm, they went. Yeah. But, look, you've got to give some credit to the Chiefs. Um, he, he was off the field. They gathered their thoughts, came out at halftime, 33, what, 33-8 down or yep. 3 or whatever it was, and managed to get up. And I was cheering them all for that 40, 45-minute second half. I tell you what, we all know another two or three minutes they would have got there. Knock on, 
and I thought that they caught that ball, they could have gone down the far end of the field. They did, right? Um, look, I think Anton Leonard Brown again and, and Trask really playing well, consistent in that uh, back line. Uh, the forwards, yes. Jacobson, another one. Lachlan Bosch here. He's my tip to go all the way this year. I'm just impressed with him game by game. But look, I never gave up. As McMillan said, they're, they're a team of heart and action and character, and they showed that, but boy, that bit them in the bum. And their uh, hopes of making that top two are, are now been dashed. Certainly has, and of course then, yesterday's game at uh, Leichhardt Oval in West Sydney, Highlanders 42, the Rebels 27, right at the end, uh, Aaron Smith, who, who I thought was just outstanding, he was absolutely outstanding, um, he he tended to, he tended to um, basically... He tended to, you know, run the game, but right at the end he tried to do that wee dive and, of course, what actually happened was it looked like he knocked it on. But um, Highlanders looked pretty solid, but they really needed that bonus point just to keep within that, um, within near the top two. Yeah, look, I think, though, that they, we, we know that the Highlanders, when they play the rugby, they're supposed to stick to their, um, their lines and their game plan. Uh, execute pretty well. I, I was happy with seeing the Ricky running with the ball, which I like to see him in action. I thought the I only was uh, okay mm. at the backs. Tomkinson, really good finisher, and this Gregory, yeah, I look, think he's, he's good. Yeah. Tom, uh, he's another Tom Robinson, isn't he? You can never miss him. He's in the action, and I think they've got a lovely combination in midfield there with Collins and yeah. with Aaron Smith uh, being the uh, conductor. And so Mitch, look, Hunt, I, Mitch Hunt's playing well yeah. as, as well. Yeah, too. And look, they did, and look, I looked at last. They were going forward. They got back up there. All that hard work by the forwards. And look, I saw it. I thought they had the momentum. Two phases to the right, Peggy. And he had to go one more time to let it go wide. They had them in the corner. And Aaron thought, well, I'll have a dig here. Boy, I bet he rude that now. He'll be looking back and thinking, why didn't I just let it go? I backed myself. I came up short. But he tossed them a point. And how valuable will that point be? Well, let's see what happens in the season. Yep, and that could, that could be crucial towards them. Well, um, we've got the All Blacks have a couple of tests against Fiji and one against Tonga, but your old mate Sir John Kerwin has come out and said, feels that these tests are a waste of time, that we should have a free match North-South series. Um, I tend to agree with Sir, Sir JK on this because I believe that would be probably a better build-up towards rugby championships than tests against Fiji and Tonga because it, it looks like we'll just be giving um, all-black caps away like a lolly scramble. Well, I guess that's going to be debated. Our mate Sir John Kerwin, he doesn't mind throwing a, an iron in the fire here and there to create debate, which is good. Uh, I probably feel that our Pacific Island friends and neighbours will have an issue with that about, yeah. uh, as we are in this environment, to support uh, rugby, to give them a leg up and to expose them to the uh, Test Match Arena. And uh, let's not uh, do them a disservice uh, in Fiji. We now have some very talented players mm, playing yeah. all around the world, Piggy. Mm. Uh, and they are well sought after in teams from the North uh, Hemisphere. So, look, let's just see um, how this pans out. A North-South match, I wouldn't mind one. I think one's good because it's you play for one match all in, all out. Yep. not a series. I think that just exploits it a bit too much. Um, and these matches are pretty tough, and I'd just like to see one if we do that, uh, go down that road. But, hey, either or, it's not our decision. We can debate it. It's 
he's made, well, let's just get out there and support the teams and let's uh, Absolutely. be on the pitch. Absolutely, OJ. You've given another point of view. I was pretty much in Sir Joe Case, but yep, I tend to agree with you there, is that we do need to support our our Pacific neighbours. But I'll also say this, and before we go, is that I also believe that New Zealand rugby goes out of its way to support its Pacific neighbours. And this is something the IRB should actually be giving more support to these. Oh, look, no doubt about that, mate. We do, we do exceptionally well here, look. And, um, yeah, more resources from Head Hunt. You know, they've got plenty. I mean, how many lunches and dinners can they go out with? You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, you can't say that about the IRB, OJ. This is the breeding ground of rugby. We produce some fantastic rugby players in the Pacific, so uh, more dollars should be coming this way because this is where all the talent, or the bulk of the talent is located. Absolutely. And I'm saying support New Zealand as well in the same breath. Good stuff, AJ. Well, have to say, always enjoyable as per usual, and uh, we'll have, we'll uh, discuss a bit of the Trans Tasman competition once that comes towards an end. We'll pick an All Black side, both, our, and then we will um, we'll keep on talking right through the season. So we'll uh, catch you, know, you on. Keep talking. You're like a tape recorder. You never stop. Anyway, good to hear. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you very much, AJ. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, goodbye. Have a great week. <laughs> Like a tape recorder. Very, very good, AJ. (laughs) Yeah, more like a stumbling tape recorder. Anyway, I'll play a bit of music and we'll get old Brian Brian Blue McLennan on the line. Speak a bit of NRL.
Welcome everyone back to the Sports Review. We're just having a few problems. Oh, yep, it looks like we've got them. We've got Bluey McLennan on the line, so we'll just go to you right now. Good, uh, hello, Bluey. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good, buddy. You ready to rock and roll? Oh, we're ready to rock and roll. We're live on air, so we can't say anything rude on, on live on air. <laughs> okay, buddy. So let's get into it right now. Cowboys 29, Warriors 28. And I, I'm going to say this, Bluey. Um... Those close games, the Warriors need to close out. Yeah, and like, uh, yeah, it was, they sort of lost a lot of momentum in that that uh, sort of first half. And geez, that was a fine comeback. Uh, they got a lot of footy in them, the Warriors, but just an experience when it come to closing it out. You know, the the final set they had up the Cowboys in, they really, really didn't. Uh, you know, get a hold of that. Uh, so that's all experience. You know, and Bell Holmes, you know, he stepped up to the plate and showed why he's an elite player. Uh, so that that will come for the Warriors. But, you know, I like the fact that they, uh, they've they got a lot of footy in them. They're able to score points. They've just got to get a bit more control, a lot more control in their tackles. That's probably the one area... I think that they're lacking is getting um, better control uh, in the in the tackle in, in the ruck. And once they can get better at that and get a bit more, um, sort of make it make it so that they're a bit more comfortable and they can get a bit of a routine going, they'll be they'll be much better. Certainly, well, and of course, um, the Friday game. And the Storm forty, the Broncos twelve. Nico Hines was just outstanding, but what about? Brand, the cheese, Brandon Smith. Geez, he's playing some good football at the moment. Yeah, fine young lad from Waiheke. Wow. Um, yeah, just, you know, after Storm, so blessed. You know, they've got the, the Kiwi the Kiwi hooker and, uh, and, and, and the Queens, you know, probably the Queensland hooker. So, you know, and Harry Grant, you know, to come back. So the cheese, yeah, he's, he's so strong. Um, you know, this passing game's getting a bit better too. You know, he made some nice selections and the storm keep rolling on, Piggy. They certainly do. And, of course, then the Dragons had a bit of a boil over. They, they, they recovered from last week's loss to the Warriors, 34-18 over the Dragons. That Dane Laurie, an outstanding game. And then, of course, the Panthers had a 30 points to four win over the Bulldogs. Scott Crichton was just outstanding. Yeah, certainly, and they, you know, the Bulldogs put up a fight for a while there, um, you know, and, uh, but in the end, just that, trying to tackle players that are just more athletic, uh, that, you know, they're, they're drinking some fine water out on out Penrith, they just, every player is hard to tackle, and it's good to see them get rewarded with, uh, you know, some New South Wales spots, uh, you know, so, you know, it's well done to the Panthers, they're flying along. Oh, they certainly are. And, of course, the Rabbitohs, they're back on the horse again. They they bet the Eels uh, 38 points to 20. Latrell's back, and he's made a bit of a difference. But one guy who came into this match with a bit of pressure was Damien Cook, really needed a really good game to impress State of Origin selectors because uh, Coruscant was really putting pressure. He had a good game, Bluey. Yeah, he did. And he, he was able to offensively show his skills. You know, I, I thought while they'd been out of form, he's... 
You know, you see a lot of tries that the opposition have been scored. Damien Cook's been somewhere near there trying to stop it. You know, and he's, uh, he's been overburdened uh, doing a lot of defensive work. So he's, uh, you know, it, it was a flip of the coin and he was able to get get a bit more quality uh, ruck speed and the play the ball and off he went. So he'll combine up well with Luai and um, Cleary. So uh, he'll be looking forward to getting into the Blues camp and it's good to see the Rabbitohs back on form. Certainly is. And of course the Roosters, 44, the Raiders. I don't know what's happened at the Raiders, mate, but it's really not good good in Canberra at the moment. But Joey Manu, you know, we, we don't realise how important this guy is to the Kiwi setup and what a class player. He was just simply outstanding. Bang on there, mate. And I, I would have no hesitation of playing him at 5'8 if we had to. And, you know, and there, there's been times over the years where we've, we've put. You know, some guys that have played centres into 5'8", you know, um, you go back to Olsen Filipano, you've got Nigel Bungana. Oh, yeah. Um, and I tell you what, Joey Manu, you'd, you wouldn't blink an eyelid if you had to put him in at 5'8", and uh, yeah, played well, and it was good to see uh, glimpses of, of what young uh, Sawali's going to oh, bring, yeah, the 17-year-old. Um, you know, we, we've been so blessed in the game to to have Walker and Sawali and, of course, the Warriors' very own Reese Walsh to see some of these youngsters and the, and the skills that they possess. Of course, the next game was the Sharks, 38. Titans, 10, 200 NRL games for Sean Johnson, and he really had a good game. It's great to see him back. It's great to see him back not only for his own confidence, but it's great to see him back for as, as we look uh, towards tw- the 2021 Rugby League World Cup. Yeah, he's just got to get some miles in his legs now, Sean. And, yeah, big congrats to him. You know, 200 games in the NRL, it's a fine achievement. Such a tough competition. You know, he's coming off the back of, you know, a horrific injury. And uh, good to see him get back. He's got his ball skills and, uh, you know, they're all in check. And I'm sure he, with more games he plays, he's going to really uh, push his case to be, you know, one of the first selected for that Kiwi Tour. Certainly is. And of course, then we had a bit of a boil over. I didn't see this one coming, but the Knights, Newcastle Knights 18, Manly Seagulls 10. And I have to say, like Tyson Frizzell, we see his brother playing super rugby, but this he had an awesome game. Yeah, well, he's, you know, he's a, a, a normal walk up in the Blues team, but obviously he's going to have. Uh He's copped a bit of an injury there at the end and, and uh, you know, maybe some judiciary problems. But, you know, I, I still like the looks of the Manly uh, in that game. You know, they didn't get their penalty first penalty until the last seconds of the game. And so, so it was actually 9-0, uh, the penalty count against them. And the fact that they were in the fight and kept fighting, I thought, was... Um, pretty courageous so I still think um, out of the two sides you know good good luck to Newcastle they got the points yesterday but Manly looked a better team to me. They certainly did but um, I suppose I don't know what's wrong with some of these teams are they a bit too scared to go into to go into the top eight I'm beginning to think like there are many teams had the potential to suit them, to put themselves in the eight and they, and they certainly didn't of course we have a split round just some of your thoughts on the uh, New South Wales Blues selections. Um, a couple of new faces, obviously Lawai, you've got Brian Teo, uh, Liam Martin, but there's some... What do you think of the side? Yeah, look, I, I think it's fairly predictable, and uh, I think they've rewarded form. Um, yeah, I, 
Yeah, I, I like I like it. I think it's a good side. I think it's balanced. Uh, you know, the halves will be comfortable. Cleary's played with Cook before in Origin and, and Tedesco with, with Cleary and Cook. So they'll team up good. Yeah, it's a big side, big centres. Uh, yeah, you know, they've got their back five will be able to return the ball strong, which is huge in the big games. So yeah, I think I think it's you know, it's a strong side and uh looking forward to what Queensland's putting out. Yeah, that'll be an intro. They'll be have some interesting selections because a lot of people have put their hands up, like Valentine Holmes. He's got to be seriously looked at for the reads. So, yeah, yeah. Anyway, well, uh, thanks for coming along. Apologies about what was uh, what was happening with the phones here, Bluey. But uh, always great to have a bit of a chat. And um, when maybe next week, I don't I don't know if we, whether you'd be keen. Let's try and pick a Kiwi side. For next week? Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Not a problem at all. Okay, so thanks a lot, Blue. You have a fantastic day. Cheers, Blue. Thank you, Piggy. See you, mate. See you. Okay, that was Blue McLean, and we had to probably rush through that because we had phone problems and everything, so we do apologise to to Blue. But, yeah, great analyst on the game. And, of course, State of Origin starts soon. Okay, we're going to play a bit of music, and we're going to have... Bit of football with um, Mr McNeese. He's he's got a lot to talk about, especially Celtic has got a new manager, which I'm going to poke a bit of borax at him. Welcome everyone back to the West Sprint Sports Review and of course a lot of people out at Eden Park yesterday, 20 odd thousand to watch the Phoenix and the Perth Glory have a really exciting match to all draw. Um, I'm going to get a bit of stick from the sky because the weather was a bit too cold for the old pigs plus I had a lot of work to do and I had a lot of organisation for the show so please welcome as we always do on a Monday, Mr Brendan McNeese. Hello Brendan. Hey, hey, how you doing? Look, I tell you what, 
you're not doing the reputation of soft Oaklanders any favours. You had a ticket for the game, you didn't turn up. What a soft... I didn't have a ticket to the game. This is the rumours that they spread round, like, you know, like... I, d- I just had... I felt the I had a lot to do with the show, Brendan. I had a lot to do with the show, and sometimes watching a game on TV, actually, you get to see it, but I uh, have no, to say... No, no, and look, I, I really don't want to upset you because I know what you uh, sports jocks are like with your anger management, so... Uh, no, we won't go there. <laughs> we won't go there, OK? Anyway, what did he think of that game? Well, look... Uh, but I tell you what, it, it, it makes appointment viewing tonight for uh, the uh, MacArthur uh, Western uh, United uh, Western Sydney game tonight. So uh, because tonight, Matthew, we are all uh, Western uh, Sydney supporters. Absolutely, go the West. I've always been uh, Western. Uh, I've uh, always liked one of those West. It's one of the West, isn't it? Yeah. Is, is it Western United or is it Western Sydney? It's one of those. One of the Westy boys, anyway. Yeah, I was just going to say it. Uh, De when he took that penalty, Bridget, he didn't look oh. comfortable. I thought he'd, he'd been watching David De Gea for a few days ago. <laughs> I thought he had to. I thought he was more like Keith Smith, the, uh, the the celebrity chef. That uh, was just awful. Oh, look, at the penalties is just. Uh, oh, look, if, if you want to, to start with the Phoenix, like um, during the week, you know, uh, honestly, it, it was. Um, uh, a, a big game in Sydney, and um, it, was, it was quite a tough game. And, and, and uh, the Phoenix came through through it well to, to you know to set up uh, yesterday's encounter at Eden Park and a big crowd out there, apart from some of the softies that didn't turn up. And um, <laughs> it, it, <laughs> it, but it look look it, it's the rough and tumble of football. Uh, but we're now uh, in um, you know in, in the hands of others. Uh, like MacArthur's absolutely no show in uh, to win tonight. They lead all three points. Like so, so a draw or a win to uh, to the Westy boys, and, and, and uh, it sets up a blockbuster on Friday night. It certainly does, and I must admit, I, some of the refereeing decisions, like there were a couple of handballs in there. I, you know what I thought? I, I was just thinking to myself, do you remember the remember 1981 when the uh, All-Whites were playing Kuwait when they were qualifying for the World Cup? I thought, I thought that guy was somebody was going to jump out of the... <laughs> Jump out of the stands and throw a can at the referee because you, you you hear what happened to that guy. He got fined. This was back in eighty one. He got yeah. fined twenty dollars for um for public misbehaviour and twenty dollars for missing. <laughs> he didn't. He did. I went to school with that guy. He went to Linfield College. And I was, <laughs> <laughs> what does that surprise you? <laughs> oh, absolutely. I, I, I went to school with him uh, at Linfield College in uh, in Mount Roscoe. Uh, but uh, where was the can man when we needed him? We needed him on there yesterday. But uh, it was, uh, great, great to see, great to see a, good, a decent crowd oh, out there. Crowd. Uh, uh, and um, uh, look, if, if it all ends in tears tonight, it all ends in tears. But at least we give it a go. So, uh, but. You, you just never know, like because you know it's squeaky bum time. You know, for MacArthur, they've got to get, they've got to get the three points, and uh, you know, three points are still three points, and they've still got to get them. So uh, I'm really hoping, hoping against hope, that they set up a, a, a massive game for Friday. Can you imagine it'll be just a you know sudden death playoff oh, yeah. game? Oh, so yeah, it is what it is. But uh, look, look, talk about death. What about the Europa League final? <laughs> the 
I was going to say about David De Gea. Now, he was once considered as the best goalkeeper in the world. I don't believe he is because it just looked like some of those penalties were just appalling. Like it looked like they were, both goalkeepers were trying not to save it. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. It was just, it just said. But, but there is a rumor going around Manchester that uh, that David De Gea is the latest uh, latest because he doesn't like crosses. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll talk a bit of bit of Champions League. Uh, I was I got up and watched that match at home. Two days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah in, in the comfort of your own home, which is what you're used to. I, I understand that immensely, yeah, Eamon. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> it's, a, it's a nice morning, a cup of coffee, a bacon sandwich, you know. But before that, I was listening to Talk Sport in the UK, and the first thing they said when he didn't put that holding midfielder in, that Pep has overfought it again, and it... And it looks like Bert, are, are you talking about Fernandinho? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, see, tinker, 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 uh, play a stinker. Look, stick with their winning uh, team. Like, how often has the All Blacks done this as well, you know, and, and, and various other successful teams? You sort of get drunk with success and you feel like you've got a right to tinker. And then the next thing, you know, the All Blacks are going to end up getting turned over by France or something, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, this was cities to lose. And uh, once again, once again, squeaky bum time on on the big stage. City just don't didn't didn't do it. They didn't come to the party. They haven't never won the European Cup. And uh, you know, as, as a bit of a United man myself, mm. I'm not exactly crying into my suit. But if it never but if it, had, <laughs> but if it had to be anybody, <laughs> Chelsea. Yeah. You know, yeah, I, I wanted both teams to lose. Yeah, well, I was going to say, Kante, <laughs> Kante was very was outstanding, but Rudiger, the the German defender, he's really good. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And, uh, uh, on the balance of play, Chelsea deserved to win it. Uh, that's, of course, their second uh, Champions League title, which they've three or four since Obramovich, uh, Obramovich has taken them over. Uh, you know, you've got to say, you know, fair play to them. Tuchel took over a team that was broken after after Frank Lampard. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he actually completely failed at Chelsea. Uh, he turned them around, and, and next year, you know, that the, they'll be they'll be a force to be reckoned with, both in the Champions League and in the Premier League. So, uh, yeah. But uh, but then miles and miles and miles away in, in <laughs> glorious body Scotland, we've, we've got a. <laughs> I know what this is about. Yeah, <laughs> you know, there's a tale on public that suppose, I, I, I've been saying on your show for some time that anyhow the former Bournemouth manager is in the bag as our new manager, and it's just uh, it's, it's actually happened that uh, Eddie has stood us up at the altar. Uh, they, there's all sorts of rumours going around that he wanted his backroom staff and they were waiting on this and that and the other thing. But the bottom line is, and, and this comes from Chris Sutton, who, who's very, very close to the action, was that uh, Eddie Howe's wife uh, didn't want to move to Scotland in the first place, didn't want to go to Glasgow and make a complainer. You know, like you're down there in the English Riviera and boom, was then the next thing, next thing you're in East Kilbride, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, is the south of France, is it? It's not exactly Beverly Hills. No. And, um, There'll be so, a few so, hillbillies. So, so the rumor, the rumor was even that she didn't, you know, she didn't really want to go, and she wasn't actually enticed by the recent developments of the Glasgow Rangers fans decimating the, the centre 
Celtic area of Glasgow when they won the title, and then uh, the CEO of uh, Celtic's house was Patrick Bond by the Rangers as well. So uh, it, it, it's not when you've got a, a wife and young family, it's not exactly the environment that you want to move to when you've probably got two or three job options. So that's that's really what happened. So who's the one that? Ange Postlecoccio. If I mention that name to you... I was thinking, as soon as I heard about the Greek, he's a man of Greek section, and, and, and he's got the same sort of football CV as Avros Flatley. <laughs> <laughs> i tell you something, Brenda, you may not like... I actually think he he actually could, he could be very good for you. He's he's a no-nonsense type of coach, and he won't put up... And like, Let's get it straight. What players are you going to attract? You're not going to attract big names to Celtic because big names no longer go to the Scottish Premier League. Oh, well, you, you start, it's rainy and miserable enough without you starting to talk sense. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I actually think he'll, I think he'll be okay. I, I think he, I believe that you'll be challenging. I think it'll be a tight a Scottish Premier League race, and I think this man you're going to start. You're going to start falling. You're going to have a man crush on him by the end of the season, uh, Brenda. I can just see it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, I looked at the CV, really, and in, in all honesty, and, and he's done well in Japan. He, and he, he, he has got the street into the World Cup and done all sorts of different things. So, uh, look, I've, I've only dug him. But, but the thing is, is that what the, what the Celtic fans were craving was was an appointment in the mould of something like uh, Brendan Rodgers, which, which they saw Eddie Howe as. So, anybody, no matter who, they are what their CV looks like uh, is going to be the you know the second choice. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see we'll see what unfolds. Uh, but you know fo- fo- football's a funny game, and uh, you know at the end of the day we, we can only do our best. Certainly could we certainly could. And of course, what's up for you for the rest of the week, Brendan? Apart well, from I, watching well, the match well, tonight. Well, well, tonight, tonight's obviously a big one. Uh, I'll be watching the um, and the comes of your home. <laughs> well, I'm not going to Australia. I don't, I don't want to break the travel bubble. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, but watching that tonight, and I'll be uh, uh, a Western United supporter tonight, just hoping that they can uh, uh, either hold uh, MacArthur to a draw or turn it over and, and set up a big, big match on, on, on Friday night. And uh, yeah. it'll be, if, 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 if that's the case, the Bond Bar down in uh, Bond Street in Wellington will be rather and roll lemon. Uh, certainly would, and of course they always. Um, I was looking for you one time, and I almost was tempted to give you give them a call because I knew you'd, that you'd be there. Or home. Yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> think, I think Mrs. McNeese would be pleased to hear that. But anyway, <laughs> you have a good week. Uh, thanks. Thank you very much for your interesting look at the uh, the world game, Brendan. Hey, no, no problem, David. And uh, we'll, we'll talk again soon. And don't forget the heroes are coming up. And uh, yeah, I watch it from the comfort of my home. Oh, yeah, you're allowed to. You're allowed to. You're allowed to. <laughs> I'll let you away with that one, David. <laughs> okay, Brendan. We'll catch up. Okay, have a great, have a great week, Brendan. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Bye. Oh God, he's giving me a bit of giving me a bit of borax today. God, the weather was cold yesterday. I, I enjoyed watching it at home. Oh. You know, avoided a lot of things. Anyway, we'll play a bit of music and we'll get the panel up next. Everything I have to give. There's a voice that keeps repeating. 
Welcome everyone back to the West Principles Review here on Planet FM and of course as we do every Monday we have the sensible part of the show. Please welcome the panel of the one and only, the legend himself, Mr Mark Watson. Good afternoon Mark. Yeah, afternoon to you Eamon, afternoon to you Sean. G'day mate, how are you? And of course the Silver Tongue Silver Fox who's uh, who's been known as that ever since I started the show, Sean Summerfield. How are you going Sean? <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I know. I think I think people must like you. How do the family feel about the nickname I've crossed you with? Oh, mate, you know, I, I keep trying to say as long as it's on my head, I don't care what colour it is. But yeah, yeah my, my daughters were concerned. Does this mean you're really old now, Dad? <laughs> anyway, we might as well kick it off. Andy Cars this morning, of course. Um, Scott Dixon had to go in for a pit stop and a, for running out of petrol. So, can you give us your wrap of that, Sean? Well, the, it was Scott obviously started on pole, was looking great, was managing things really well. But then we had a, a crash in, in pit lane early on, and uh, of course that caused the whole problem. It's Stephen Wilson, he was sort of a one-off entrant, so it was a bit ropey on the cars. And at Indy, they don't run a lot of downforce because um, they go fast. And uh, once they're below 160 k's an hour, the cars don't really have grip, as he discovered. Crashed it in pit lane, uh, which meant they couldn't come in and make their stops when they needed to. And, you know, the first two-thirds of the race are all about fuel and how you use it and conserve it and where you stop. And Scott was running low and he couldn't get in the pits by the time he did. Basically, like, like the wee three-year-old boy who's been holding going to the toilet, he left it a bit late. And um, he ran out of fuel coming along pit lane 
and because the engine was hot, it got what they call vapor lock. The petrol vapors sort of expanded, and, and it wouldn't let the engine inject any fuel. So he basically lost the lap, sat there. The car wouldn't start. And um, they finally got him going, but he was down on that dead last. And at one stage, he was back in the lead, but he needed another safety car late in the race, and his strategy would have actually, believe it or not, got him back in winning contention, but it didn't didn't come come off for him, which is a bit of a shame. Uh, Scott McLaughlin was, again, look, I reckon he was looking top three material at one stage, but he, he messed it up going into pit lane and got a um, went too fast, had to do a drive-through, so he finished... Uh, down the the order as well. There was one blessing that um, because of the way it panned out, Helio Castroneves doing doing a one-off, because he's not a regular driver, none of the big, big points, because he's a double-point race, uh, went to Scott's competition. So he's only dropped to second in the championship. It could have been a lot worse. Alex Flowers taking the lead. Um, but it's 248 to 212 points. It's not a, a massive hit for Scott um, and the other Scott McLaughlin sitting ninth. But Javier Castroneves, uh, his fourth win at Indy, and uh, he's got the nickname the Spider-Man because when he wins races, he climbs the fence. And uh, absolutely fantastic guy. I was lucky enough to interview him a few times in the years past. Absolute gentleman and one of uh, only a handful of four-time winners in the 500. He's joined AJ Foy and Talanta, uh, Rick Mears, um, the only other drivers to win four times at the Brickyard. you got to say, Scott just seems to be cursed. He can't win another one. He's stuck on one. Unbelievable. Of course, there was a bit of tragedy overnight on MotoGP. Yeah, over the, over the weekend, uh, young Swiss driver, Moto3, so there's three levels of MotoGP, the 3, 2 and MotoGP, and they race on the same weekend, so this is where they where they sort of start out there, and he um, it was a horrible crash, he's only 19 years old, uh, Jason Dupasquier and he um, and he's also the son of a former top motocross rider as well, uh, Philippe, and he um, he was qualifying at the end of Saturday, he uh, between turn nine and ten, and Magello, he sort of slipped, skidded down, and another driver came behind and ran over him, and um, he ended up um, dying from those injuries. So rather horrific. There's been some criticism. Um, they obviously the race was held in his honour. Um, quite emotional scenes, the winner stopping where he had the crash and for a moment and whatnot, but other riders have said they shouldn't have raced, um, which is usually the tradition, I suppose, because it was Moto3, not MotoGP, but, um, yeah, it's crazy because you watch these guys fall off in, in, in the motorcycle racing and they slide across the track and it looks it looks horrific as we know how dangerous motorbikes are on the road, but they... You know, they actually seldom suffer major injuries out there um, because they do slide across and everything like that. But there was nothing to stop them from um, being clocked by the other rider. And you got a feel for the other guy. You know, you come around the corner and he just just basically flies over him. It was really, really, really sad. And just a reminder that no matter what they do, um, these sports do have a, a dangerous side. Certainly do. Some of your thoughts on uh, the IndyCars, Mark? Oh look, I think it's just um, one of the great sports and great traditions, isn't it? And I've got to, uh, you know, apologise. Years ago, I think when I was first on radio sport, and I'll be honest, I was a little, um, never really, you know, followed sort of 
Formula One and some other motorsport, but I was probably a little ignorant of um, the Indianapolis 500. While I'd heard of it, I didn't really probably understand its um, place on the world stage. And I think when Scott Dixon was sort of nominated for the Halberg Awards, I think I was a little sort of like, no, no, look, the pinnacle of the sport is the Formula One and every other athlete sort of judged by the pinnacle of their sports. And so, yeah, I sort of thought that was just one of those broadcasting mistakes that you look back on and go... I'm pleased I've grown up since then, or I'm pleased that I've sort of removed some of that ignorance around motorsport. Look, like anyone, like you, you really do want to see Scott Dixon um, win it, and you're hoping that Scotty McLaughlin might pull off that miracle and the headlines are rookie wins on debut. But um, look, it is what it is, isn't it? Uh, what, what, just the one win for Scott Dixon sort of over, what, the last 10, 12 years? And it's sort of, um, yeah, yes, it, it's... it's um, yeah, as great as his career has been, you probably would have thought maybe, you know, he would have had at least two next to his name. Oh, but look, yeah. and uh, I, I wouldn't write him off here, Mark. And the thing is with Indy, and, and I, I was, believe it or not, I probably didn't appreciate that race as well. I knew it was a big race. It would had a special place in history as part of the Triple Crown. But until I went there and saw the atmosphere, the number of people over 300,000, it's Memorial Day weekend, their Anzac Day equivalent, and it is it is phenomenal. I thought, oh, God, how arrogant to call it the biggest spectacle of motorsport. Guess what? It actually is. It's the biggest one day crowd uh, for anything anywhere. It's um, annually. It's it's phenomenal. And um, but in the end, Indy decides who win, guys. <laughs> and and Indy decided it wasn't again Scott's day. Certainly yeah, look, it's one of those it's one of those events, isn't it? It falls alongside of Wimbledon. I mean, I guess in horse racing, you've got things like Aintree, and there are just those traditional events that just have such a rich history. Um, yeah, they just carry so much more weight on their own. You know, would you rather win an Olympic gold medal in motorsport, or would you rather win the Indy Five Hundred? You're going to say the Indy Five Hundred, aren't you? Just you know, oh, just yes. using that as a, as a metaphor. It, you know, and, and that's part of the reason why. And I say that too. That's why I sort of don't think sports like tennis should be at the Olympics. Because asking tennis player, do you want Wimbledon? Do you want the Olympic gold? Well, I want Wimbledon. And I think you know, and this is me changing tact a little bit, but if going to have a sport at the Olympics. The Olympic gold medal should be the pinnacle. I think that should be the first, um, I think that should be really the first sort of test on whether sports uh, are included or not included um, at the Olympic Games. Uh, tell, you, tell you what I love, guys, is they, uh, they were able to let crowds back in, but the numbers were hugely restricted. Only 135,000 people at the race. Would have felt empty there. <laughs> 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 anyway, just moving on, Mark. Yeah, we'd, we'd like to hear an opinion piece from you from what the Sporting Week that has been on this, or looking forward oh, to the Sporting Week ahead. Yeah, look, I've I, I just been following this thing with this uh, world number one female tennis player, Naomi Osaka, who's refusing to talk to the media in post-press conferences and stuff, saying that it's detrimental to her mental health. She finds them quite sort of um, disparaging. And um, I sort of struggle with that. Look, you've got a responsibility to the media. Um there's a reason why there's a lot of money in the game. There's a reason why these people are making a lot of money through endorsements, and that's because of public interest. It's supply and demand, isn't there? There's a reason why, let's say, women rugby players don't get paid because they don't fill up the stadiums. And, you know, there have been a few sort of prickly personalities over the years who have been quite difficult to deal with in press conferences. I think Wayne Bennett with the Brisbane Broncos, I think at times just... You know, as big as his reputation is, I just find him a bit smug at times. And it's just like, just, 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 you know, answer the questions, be smart, turn up. You know, Roger Federer does it well. And so I, I, I'm not a big fan of this anti-media sentiment from these players. 
I mean, if you use the media right and if you use the media correctly, then, yeah, you know, there's a lot of money to be made. It's great for your brand and it's great for your, you know, your own billing and stuff. And I'm just not sure that you can sort of expect to live by the sword and not expect to die by the sword. And so I see all the major grand slams just come down real hard on her. It sounds to me like mm. she's going to have to um, rethink that or she might just end up being left out of these tournaments. Um, you know, no one player is bigger than the game, are they? And surprised oh, that it is coming from a Japanese, a Japanese player because the Japanese, you know, historically are very sort of um, respectful and are very, um, you know, tend to sort of sort of fall into line a little bit. And I'm just trying to think, you know, what other sportsmen have gone down this path and there's not too many and I think there's athletes out there who would get a way, way harder time from the media than... Um, Osaka. In fact, I'm surprised that she's reached number one in the world because she clearly um, appears to be a little mentally fragile. And I would have thought oh. that you know it's the top two inches that separates the best from the you know the almost. Mm. Well, hang on. How hard is it for your mental health, with a crash respect, standing in the middle of a of a of a, of a tennis um, yeah, tennis court surrounded by thousands of people watching everything you do, and someone's doing their best to mess you up? No, I, I, I'm, I'm with you completely. I spent far too long in the, in the media and I noticed on the way up um, people were quite happy to talk, but once they thought they'd made it and they didn't need you, um, you know, not all of them, but there'd be ones that would think, oh, stuff you, I don't have to do this now. And, look, hey, it might, not, it might be onerous for them. People might not like talking about themselves. They might feel the questions are the same all the time. But guess what? It is part of the gig. It's why you get the big sponsorship, and all you've got to do is have manners. Just be polite, answer the questions. That's all you have to do. Yeah, and look, and I've been critical of New Zealand rugby here because you know I think they tend to shut the media down and control the media, as we've discussed previously. Mm. But it is the, it is those side stories. It is the it is the um, everything that goes around the sport that generates the interest that puts it in the forefront of people's minds and. Um, you know, whether it be positive or negative. And as I've said, you know, mankind does have a little bit of a proclivity for the negatives. And as I said previously, that's why man's defeats are on the front pages, man's victories are on the back. People need to understand that. I, I mean, I think Ricky Stewart, uh, for, you know, that was a disgrace a lot of the time. And it might be part of his brand and he might think he's got some sort of sense of entitlement with his place in the game that he can be abusive to journalists or, or not answer their questions or throw it back at the journalists sort of make the journalists feel ridiculous because, well, that's a stupid question. I, I, I don't have a lot of time for that. And I think if I was sitting in that media um, room, I'd probably get kicked out, but I, I, I would have to go back. I, I would call them out on it. I just think, you know, like I say, they're just simply they're just simply a representative of a far greater entity and, and, and far bigger picture, and they do have that responsibility. And it's not long before you get to an age... Yeah, suddenly you're not relevant and no one wants to talk to you, let alone listen to you. <laughs> they, they sometimes forget that. But I remember a, a all-black presser once where um, Ali Williams and um, Sonny Bill Williams were yeah. sitting there and Ali Williams decided you know, he'd answer every question for Sonny Bill. And they thought it was the funniest thing in the world. And they just completely stuffed up because the all-blacks decide who's going to talk. And if they don't want to talk, you bug it. And and I remember that that was not a pretty day. I think the there was a universal panning from everyone for that. Mm-hmm. Hey, does anyone um, excited by the cricket this week in England? I'm sort of pleased. Mm. I think it's back on Sky, isn't it? And um, uh, I was just reading. 
No, no, uh, this one's on Spark Sports, Mark. The World Test Final is on Sky is on Sky TV. Okay, so I won't be watching it this week then. No, no. no. <laughs> but, but you can listen to it. I, I tend to listen to, to it on um, BBC, so I tend yeah, to get I, their I, live streaming. I know we touched on this previously, but I was just reading this article that Tim Southey, an interview he'd done for The Guardian, talking about how great it would be if we won a World Test Championship. I'm sorry, mate, this is a guy who would still be playing T20 in India if they hadn't been forced to come home. I'm like, Tim, yeah, it'd be great, mate. But as I said previously, I don't think you wanted enough, mate. Because if you wanted it enough, T20 wouldn't have been even on the calendar, mate. You'd you'd be going, well, you know, look, you know, we're always going to be in. We're always going to be in England here for these two warm-up tests prior to this one test final. So I just find it, like, I want us to win it, but I sort of get a bit annoyed when these players tell me how desperate they are for it. And and as I've said in the past, I'm just not convinced. I have to say one thing, you know, I I agree with you, Mark, because I've always been of the opinion is it's that if you've got a World Test Championship, how's 2020 going to prepare for a, for a Test match? It's not. It's going to bring out stupid uh, stupid shot plan, wrong decisions. And I agree with the likes of the, say, Glenn Turners of this world. They hate 2020, and I'm not a fan of it either. Oh, look, T20 has got its place. I mean, I'm not a massive cricket person anyway, but in the end, uh, Test cricket is the pinnacle of the oh, game. Yeah. So to... to Eschew that in favour of some money in India, or to put it simply, it's just not cricket. <laughs> Very good, Sean. Very good. Okay, well, we've still got two minutes to go. Anything else before we uh, wrap up the show, gentlemen? I watched the Blues and enjoyed it. So did I. I didn't, did any years go to the Phoenix game yesterday? No, I was, I was Uber this weekend for the kids, so no. Oh, look, like I say, football for me is the English Premier League, it's Champions League. So, uh, look, you know, Chelsea Manchester City yesterday was on, um, you know, one of the biggest football games in the world. Again, hard to get into it because they had crowds in there, but it was sort of person probably four or five seats. Uh, look, well done, Chelsea, on winning the Champions League. Um, Pep Guardiola, the manager of Manchester City, he's won plenty of uh, Premier League trophies and FA Cups and various sort of internal competitions but that is the one that he's yet to win and you could just sort of see the disappointment, he'd done all the hard work in through getting through to that final and really is Chelsea just outplayed them, um, not that I really care being a Liverpool fan but uh, you know there is a part of me that still enjoys still enjoys it going to an English club versus say a European or a Spanish club Yep, certainly does. Well, have to say we've got, uh, we're just going to wrap up the show. I want to thank both of you for, yet again, your brilliant opinions, your brilliant knowledge, as per usual. I really do I really do enjoy, enjoy these wee talks because I can have a cup of tea and let you two go for it. <laughs> but I have to say we'll have a chat next week. Are we all keen for Queen's birthday? Or are you going to be away, Mark? Are you, no, are you going to work Queen's birthday? Yeah, I am. I'll have to let you know. I'm, I'm going to spend the weekend down in Southland. It's uh, Mar- Invercargill Maris Centenary. Oh, congratulations. It's 101st. They couldn't have it last year, so I'm not going to miss that. Good on you, Sean. Okay, guys, we'll wrap up the show. Thank you both, gentlemen. I'll give you a chat. I'll give you a call later, Mark. I just need to just pick your brain on something. Sure. And, <laughs> okay. and yeah. I'll, we'll just finish up here. <laughs> so see you later, guys. Oh, they get me again. <laughs> pick your brain on something. Anyway, thanks a lot, everyone. Uh, Good show, and we'll see you all next week.